welcome to Purpose Without Apology, a podcast for women who love God and think outside the box. Here, we talk about everything from relationships to careers to wealth building and more, and all through the lens of fulfilling your God-given purpose. My name is Lisa Gant. I'm a writer, wife, and mom, and my goal is to empower you to change the world. Let's get started. Hey y'all, welcome to another episode of Purpose Without Apology. I'm your host, Lisa, and I'm so excited that you're joining me here today. Now, as I've mentioned earlier, our theme for season five of Purpose Without Apology is telling your story. Now, we're telling stories in a few different ways here on the podcast. Some weeks, I'll be doing a segment that's called Behind the Book, where I interview authors uh, and talk to them about how they've written their stories. Other weeks, we'll be interviewing people and talking to them and hearing them tell their stories. And some weeks, like this week, we're going to be looking at different stories of people in the Bible. And in particular, we'll be talking about different people who sometimes get overlooked in favor of some of the more popular stories that we hear a lot of times. Today, we're going to be talking about Hagar. And Hagar is a fascinating person, in my opinion. She's one of my favorite characters in the Bible. Our guiding scripture for this episode comes from Genesis chapter 16, verse 13. And it says, she gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. Hidden in the pages of Genesis, in between a well-told narrative about the faith of Abraham and Sarah, lies the story of an Egyptian enslaved woman named Hagar. We don't know much about her aside from her connection to Abraham and Sarah, and she's often used as a sort of cautionary tale about what happens when you try to get ahead of God's timing. However, the reality is that Hagar's story is far more complex, and we'll be exploring some of those complexities today. Now, as I said, Hagar's story is one of my favorites because I just feel like there's so much about her that so many of us can resonate with, especially the idea of being overlooked by by other people. First and foremost, Hagar was a victim of circumstances outside of her control. She was an enslaved Egyptian woman who was forced to sleep with Abraham so she could conceive a son for Sarah. So let's dig into the story here. In Genesis chapter 16, verses 1 through 3, it says, Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abram, The Lord has kept me from having children. Go, sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Abram agreed to what Sarah said. So after Abram had been living in Canaan 10 years, Sarai, his wife, took her Egyptian slave Hagar and gave her to her husband to be his wife. Now, if we look at that situation, nowhere in there does does anyone ask Hagar for her opinion, right? That's first and foremost. And it's kind of uncomfortable if we really think about it, because it's likely that she didn't have a say in the matter because she was enslaved. Now, we think about these kind of things, you know, if you look at American history and just different types of histories in different parts of the world, um, people being enslaved is not a new thing. It's been 
existing all throughout history. And to a certain extent, it still exists today. Um, But when we look at this story here and this situation that is set up between Abraham and Sarah, um, and we see their kind of their earlier names here, Abram and Sarai, um, we see how Hagar really doesn't have a say in what's happening here. This is a decision that's being made between Abraham and Sarah. And so we know that she doesn't really have a say in the matter at being enslaved. And we also know that she probably wasn't very happy about this because as it says in verse four, um, it says that Sarah, that Hagar um, found out that she was pregnant and then she despised her mistress. And so if she was a willing participant in this situation, she wouldn't have been angry to find out she was pregnant, but she was angry. Why? Because she didn't have a choice and because she knew that this child she was carrying wouldn't even be really considered hers. Legally, she was considered Abraham and Sarah's child. And so, or the the son would that she would have would be considered their child. And she wouldn't really have any right to make decisions about him or uh, have any say in, in what happened to him. And so there was a lot for Hagar to be angry and hurt and, and betrayed by in this situation. The second aspect of Hagar's story is that it shows how others can be hurt by our disobedience. When we look at Genesis chapter 16, verse 6, it says, your slave is in your hands. This is Abraham talking. Do with her whatever you think is best. Then Sarai mistreated Hagar, so she fled from her. And so again, we see here that Hagar is being, um, we, we don't know exactly what the mistreatment was, but clearly it was enough to make Hagar feel like she had no other option but to run away. And so, unfortunately, that's that's, you know, a difficult situation for her to be in, um, because, again, she feels like she doesn't have any other options. So she leaves. And, you know, we can see here how, you know, certainly God wasn't in favor of Sarah treating Hagar badly. Um, You know, we can point to different scriptures, especially in the New Testament, um, where, you know, where the Bible specifically talks about people who have servants or slaves or people working for them, and and they're specifically told to treat them well, to treat them with kindness. And there's laws in the Bible, you know, uh, especially for the Israelites about freeing their servants and and people who have uh, worked for them, you know, during the year of Jubilee and and after a certain period of time. So it's clear throughout the Bible that God does not uh, condone people uh, being treated badly and being treated like second class citizens um, and and being mistreated. And so we know that that wasn't honoring to God. Um, But we see here that that Sarah's behavior clearly wasn't in line with what God wanted. Um, And then at the same time, years later, after Sarah's given birth to her son, Isaac, this is the son that God promised Abraham, um, we see that that it that uh, Hagar's son, Ishmael, um, has been found to be mocking um, Isaac. We don't know what he was mocking him about. We don't know what was said. Um, But there was some clearly some ridicule going on, probably some bullying, something um, in terms of mocking him. Right. And that was enough to set Sarah off to the point where she demands that both Hagar and Ishmael be sent away. Um, And this is from Genesis chapter 21, verses nine through 10. Now, again, we see Sarah operating in um, a level of disobedience and Abraham. Right. Because the two of them chose to to um, kind of 
create this scheme where where Abraham would would sleep with Hagar and and she would have a son and and Sarah is trying to build this family through her and we see the consequences of that playing out in this scene you know later on in in the the story after Sarah has gotten her promise after God has done what he said he would do which was give Abraham an heir through her She's having to deal with the consequences of her acting outside of God's plan and Abraham acting outside of God's plan. They have this whole other child um, that they decided to to kind of work together to to have, um, you know, bringing Hagar into it. And now they're having to deal with the child there. And there's clearly a lot of jealousy between Sarah um, and Hagar about that. And and. It's kind of like now Hagar, now Sarah has her promise and, and Hagar is just kind of in the way a lot, in a lot of ways. Um, and so it can really show how, um, you know, Hagar was was kind of someone that Sarah turned to, 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 to meet a need that she had, to meet a desire that she had. And now that she's gotten what she wants, now Hagar is is an obstacle and, and her son is now an obstacle and it's he's probably a daily reminder to her um, of what Abraham, you know, did and, and what she encouraged him to do. Um, and, and so we can see a lot of a lot of jealousy. I mean, uh, Sarah specifically says, you know, that she doesn't want Hagar and, and Ishmael to have any part in the inheritance. You know, she she specifically says that she wants um, both of them to be gone and to go away. Um, Some biblical scholars suggest that considering the fact that Hagar was an Egyptian woman, that she may have even been one of the, the slaves that was given to Abraham after his time in Egypt. Now, this is an interesting thought. If we go back to Genesis chapter 12, verse 16, it talks about Abraham being given Egyptian servants, being given male and female servants, in addition to animals and and wealth and all kinds of other things. But it mentions specifically servants. And so some scholars have suggested that maybe Hagar was one of those servants that was given to him during his time in Egypt. What makes that interesting is that that was during the time when Abraham lied to Pharaoh about Sarah being his sister instead of his wife. Now, why does that matter? Because after Abraham lied, the Bible says that that um, Pharaoh, Pharaoh invited Sarah into his palace and was essentially trying to make her part of his his harem and trying to make her, you know, live in, in his home and was in those gifts were really considered kind of payments to Abraham um, for, you know, essentially a, making Sarah one of his wives. And so the question is, would he have given those same gifts to Abraham if Abraham had just told the truth about who Sarah was? Would Sarah have even gone into the palace? Would she have even, you know, been put in that situation? Um, Would Pharaoh have have even felt the need to to do any of that? And would um, Hagar then, as a consequence, would she have become part of Abraham's household? We don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us. But it's an interesting thing to think about, about how the consequences of us not trusting God and us not following God don't just affect us and they don't just affect our immediate situation, but there can possibly be ramifications that follow us down the road for years after we've made certain choices, right? The Bible says that um, in Genesis 16 that uh, Abraham and Sarah had been in Canaan for 10 years 
before Sarah and Abraham, you know, came up with this idea and Sarah presented the idea of of Abraham sleeping with Hagar. And so we have to think about how a lot of times we set ourselves up to be tempted and to fall into temptation by making choices that have far-reaching consequences. And, and they can hurt the people around us sometimes for years to come. Um, so again, I don't want to state uh, any of this as fact and say that that definitely is what happened. But it's an interesting thing to think about in terms of when we make our own choices in our lives about whether or not to trust God. When we disobey, it doesn't just affect us and it doesn't just affect us in the immediate short term. But a lot of times there are consequences that will continue to affect us and continue to affect the people around us for years after we have made our choice. Now, there is hope in Hagar's story, and that's one of the things I love most about it. There's a lot of of, of joy and, and redemption and hope for her in spite of what she has been put through. One thing I love about Hagar's story is that God saw her and cared about her even when other people around her didn't. When we go back to Genesis chapter 16, we see that the angel of the Lord found Hagar. Uh, Verse 7 says that the angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert. It was the spring that is behind the road to Shur. And so many biblical scholars uh, really claim and and believe that the angel of the Lord is a representation of um, the pre-incarnate Christ, right? It's essentially Jesus um, being in the earth before he was actually born into the earth. And so it's, so that is what is commonly believed um, in terms of when the Bible mentions the angel of the Lord. Um, And so you know, that is what is being referenced here, saying that the angel of the Lord, Jesus himself, came and found Hagar where she was in the desert, even though she was a foreigner, even though she hadn't been born into, um, you know, the, the the line of the Israelites, even though she wasn't, um, you know, connected to, to Abraham um, in terms of being, uh, uh, you know, born and raised in his family. Um, and, you know, she was brought in, um, you know, probably by force and probably, you know, um, forced to serve his family. Um, and But God still saw her and God still came to her in, in the desert when she was traveling and, and ministered to her and encouraged her. And so uh, it's this is an important moment because even though God tells Hagar to go back to Sarah and to submit to her, he never rebukes her or shames her for her situation. He doesn't um, ridicule her or, or you know, uh, talk down to her or insult her or, or condemn her in any way, shape or form. Um, he doesn't shame her for running away. He doesn't say, how could you have done that? He doesn't say, well, it's your fault. You should have done this, this and this. He, he loves her and he shows that he cares about her and he comforts her um, in the middle of her distress. And not only that, but he blesses her and he gives her son the name Ishmael, which means God hears. And in verse, specifically in verse 11, the Bible says, um, the angel of the Lord said to her, you are now pregnant and you will give birth to a son. You shall name him Ishmael for the Lord has heard of your misery. What a powerful way to minister to someone who feels probably lost and forgotten and overlooked by everyone in her life. But God in that moment sees her 
and ministers to her and blesses her even in the midst of her suffering. I just think it's really profound and beautiful the way that God finds ways to um, really see us and minister to us, um, no matter what we're going through, no matter what we're dealing with. Um, and I love that in this moment, um, not only is it the angel of the Lord that, that appears to Hagar, um, and not only is it uh, that she receives this name for her son from him, but she in that moment names God as well. Um you know, it names him, she names him El Roy, the God who sees me. It's one of my favorite names for God in the entire Bible, um, because it's just, I can, I think so many of us, especially as women, um, when we deal with discrimination or, um, you know, being mistreated by people in our family and in our lives and, and with our loved ones sometimes, the people who should care for us the most, um, we, we have those feelings and those, those, um, that frustration of feeling overlooked and feeling misunderstood um, and, and just feeling neglected and hurt by what we've been through. Um, but we have that hope in that moment of knowing that God sees us, knowing that God hears us and knowing that God loves us in our misery and in our pain um, and that he does comfort us no matter what happens. And we can see later on in the story um, when we skip forward to chapter 21, um, things just get kind of harder for Hagar and Ishmael again after um, Isaac is born and I referred to this earlier but specifically I want to go into a little bit more detail about it um, but essentially when Sarah and uh, commands that Hagar and Ishmael um, be sent away and, and Abraham sends them off into the wilderness he gives them food and drink but um, he does send them away um, they come to the situation where they end up you know without water and in the middle of the desert and God appears to Hagar again um, and he provides a stream he, he provides water um, for her a, a well of water so to where she's able to fill her her water skin and they're able to drink and, and she and her son are able to survive and thrive and throughout this story throughout all of the pain that Hagar endures of being you know sold as a slave in Egypt um, being sold to Abraham having to um, serve under a mistress who is in many ways um, you know treating her with a lot of disrespect and contempt um, you know being forced to um, be intimate with a man that she probably didn't love, probably didn't have any any type of positive relationship with and and having to carry um, a son that she did not ask for um, and, and, and then having to be treated badly after she gave birth to that son. All of these things really working against her and yet we have God who sees her, God who provides for her even when she's in the desert, even after she's been sent away um, and, and he still continues to care for her and tells her repeatedly that her son will be blessed, that he will be fruitful, that he will become a great nation. All throughout the story of Hagar and Ishmael, we see the hand of God over her life and we see him providing for her and caring for her and for Ishmael. Um, no matter what, in the midst of all of it, he is there and he is with her. And there's a lot that we can be comforted by with that. One last thing that I want to point out about Hagar's story, which I think is really interesting and kind of fascinating is that God can and does use our brokenness for his glorious purposes. So if we fast forward a couple of generations and we go forward to Genesis chapter 37, we see something interesting. 
So we see Joseph, who would, I believe, be uh, Abraham's great grandson, uh, who is sold into slavery several generations later. Right. He's sold into slavery himself by his brothers. And there's a whole story that's behind that that I can't get into today. But he's betrayed by his brothers and sold into slavery. And we see something interesting in Genesis chapter 37, verse 28. It says that the men who actually purchased him from his uh, brothers were the the Ishmaelites, the descendants of Ishmael, who was right Abraham's son that he had with Hagar. And so we see here how and and if you know the story of Joseph, you know that Joseph is sent into Egypt um, and is able to you know, be raised up to where he becomes second in command under Pharaoh and his leadership is really what um, God uses him to provide for not only the whole country of Egypt, but the entire world uh, during a seven year famine. And so Egypt really becomes the catalyst for this miraculous provision that happens um, because of God's plan. And so how does that happen? It happens through the very descendants of the boy of the child who was cast aside. Um, who the, the one who was born outside of God's promise, the one who was born through a series of manipulation and and, you know, just acting outside of God's will and outside of his plan, even through all of God, that God uses those same people. That's those the descendants of that same person to bring about this miraculous provision many years later. And so we see this amazing full circle moment where the Ishmaelites actually in many ways become the vehicle for Israel's provision and for the Israelites provision many years later by being the ones who bring Joseph into Egypt in the first place. I know it feels like kind of a roundabout way that we get there, but it's really remarkable when we look at all of these little these missing pieces that really fit together uh, purposefully in the Bible and the way that God puts this puzzle together. And so I think it's a beautiful way of Romans 828 really coming into play, which says that that all and we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purposes. We don't have to be perfect. We don't have to have everything together as God's children for him to be able to use us in profound ways that go far beyond our vision and far beyond our understanding. Abraham and Sarah were not perfect people, far from it. And we can see that, especially in the story of Hagar and how they treated her. But it's what, what's amazing about it is that God was able to use Abraham, Sarah, and Hagar, and Ishmael to bring about the purposes that he had in mind for all of them. And he blessed all of them and used them in extraordinary ways. And so I think there's a lot of hope in that story and a lot that we can really take away from it in terms of our own lives and how we can be comforted. So your action step for this episode is to consider the moments in your own life where you felt like an outsider. Did you ever feel like God didn't know about your struggles or even worse, didn't care about them? Take some time in prayer today to talk with God about those moments and ask him to heal you from that pain. Also, consider getting Christian-based counseling to help you process that rejection in a healthy way. I really think that's important because so much of what we experience in terms of rejection in our lives and feeling like an outsider, it's it's it can be so damaging. And if we're not careful, that damage can cause ripple effects that continue to hurt the people closest to us because we haven't healed from what we've been through. I know that so many of us um, 
can feel like we are outside of the promise. And that's why I chose that name for this episode and the name for Hagar's story. What what must it have been like to live your life knowing that your entire that you that so much of your life and and even your children's lives were outside of God's design and outside of his plan. But yet, even in that situation, God was able to redeem that and redeem the choices that Abraham and Sarah made that affected Hagar and Ishmael. And he was able to turn their story around to make it part of a greater good and to make it part of something that could eventually become a source of blessing for them. God is able to redeem anything, any situation that you're a part of, any way that you've been hurt, any way that you've been rejected or um, just abandoned in your life. He can use that for his glory and for your good. And so I hope that this episode was able to give you some encouragement today. If you're dealing with a situation like that, I pray that you will trust him to use whatever you've been through and, and make those scars beautiful and to turn that that ashes into beauty and and to give you a garment of praise for the mourning that you've been experiencing. He can do that in ways you can't possibly imagine. So that is it for today's episode of Purpose Without Apology. I hope that it it taught you something new. I hope that there was some enlightenment for you um, and that it gave you some new insight into a person in the Bible that, like I said, really gets overlooked a lot. Um, And really, she shouldn't be because she was a a brave and extraordinary woman, a woman who called God by the name Elroy and said that he was the God who saw her and he is also the God who sees us. So that is it for today, and I will see you in the next episode. Until next time, take care and God bless. This concludes another episode of Purpose Without Apology. I hope you enjoyed it. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, and share with your friends. Until next time, remember, your purpose is waiting, so you need to go after it. See you in the next episode.